it's the loss hurdle, it's the zoning, it's the setback. So you just need to be really clear about what you're buying into and to make sure that that's legal property. Because as an investment, you want to make sure that whatever you're buying is going to be in place in two or three years. It's time for the Creative Real Estate Podcast, your source for out-of-the-box real estate investing strategies brought to you by ecospace.com. Now here's your hosts, Adam and Jason. Welcome back to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Adam A. Adams. And today we are joined with Erin Spradlin, who is an expert at Airbnb. What she does, she's been doing Airbnb, by the way, for years and years and years. And one thing that she's doing is actually helping her clients get into Airbnbs that are cash flowing. And she helps them navigate, if you will, through the laws. Because some places like Denver have some very strict laws where you are unable to have Airbnbs or short-term rentals the normal way. So Aaron's going to help us out today. We're going to talk a lot about finding the way to navigate through these laws so you can find it yourself. If you want to work with her, she's tagged in the Facebook. She, her company, James Carlson Real Estate, is tagged in the Facebook. Find them. There's a lot more information there is right as well. Right, Aaron? Yep. Okay. We have guides on different cities and yeah, love it. Um, another random thing is I found more and more people that have the same passion as I have, where I'm thinking when I go to real estate conferences that there's just not enough women on stage. I just keep seeing it's zero or one woman on stage and there might be 20 men. And I just think it's crazy. And so I've been trying to be more intentional when I host my own conferences to have more women on stage. Uh, more women at the events, really trying to show what women can do within real estate. And I think we are making an impact. Erin Spradlin is working to make sure that she can work with some investors who are women and help them get into these cash flowing assets because she says that women are the ultimate end user. Love it. All right, Erin. I, I believe that 100%. What, what did I miss here? Uh, I think that that's a good summary. I think our focus for the last couple of years has definitely been trying to get people into income generating properties through STR, so short term rentals like Airbnb and VRBO. And then lately we've adjusted our focus a little bit towards emails as well. And part of that is because we have a lot of male investors come to us and we feel like it's really important to have their wives on board because I do believe the wife sometimes is the end user. So just including her in the conversation and just knowing from the stats and stuff how much women make a lot of the decisions around your primary house and stuff, it's frustrating to see that number drop off to 25% of investors. So we're just trying to outreach to them and see why there's that divide and speak to it. I absolutely love that. Thank you for going into that. So one of your absolute strengths, you've had so many years of working with Airbnb. Even you were working with Airbnb and HomeAway and VRBO before I even knew that they existed. So back when I learned that they existed, you already had three years experience doing it, which is interesting. So I want to go in and talk about Denver in particular, which by the way, if, if you're not in Denver, if you're in Boston or if you're in LA or if you're in name your city, there's going to be a place similar to Denver that has some restrictions on the short-term rentals. So Aaron, when you got into Denver and you started doing short-term rentals, later on, they started changing the laws on you, making it a little bit harder. You started jumping through hoops. They said, there is no grandfathering. We can't let you do this. So tell us a little bit more about how you found that you could actually 
still capitalize in that market around these laws? Yeah, so we started in 2014, and at that time, it was actually illegal to do Airbnb pretty much across the entire front range, but I think people didn't realize that. And the reason why it was illegal is because if you rent for under 30 days and or it's just not in the code, that's illegal. But it hadn't been a problem for a lot of cities and a lot of people, a lot of consumers, including ourselves, didn't know that that was an issue because it was kind of the beginning of Airbnb before it blew up and got really popular. So that was in 2014. Most places you could do it because the cities weren't really looking into it or they didn't have the infrastructure. And in 2017, Denver passed a law, which was the primary residence rule, which at that point meant that you could pretty much only Airbnb out your primary residence. So where you take mail. A lot of people ask us, like, if we have a duplex, can we do it there? Um, no, it needs to be where you take your mail, in Colorado at least. And so we're seeing those changes happen up and down the front range. Some cities being a little bit, um, you know, having more leeway with it, but Denver, Aurora, Boulder, they're strict. Boulder's the strictest, and it looks like Denver's kind of moving in that direction. Colorado Springs is a little bit more relaxed. So just depending on where you're at, there are ways to do it legally, and we encourage everyone to do it legally, but um, you just have to kind of work in the laws and figure out what works you know, for the city that you're in and what you're trying to do. I've already learned a few really cool takeaways. For instance, I never knew that it was illegal prior to everything coming out because there just wasn't a law around it. And so that's really very interesting. One question is, you're very focused on working with women and anyone really getting involved into the short-term rentals, helping them find out the cash flow. And then because you're such an expert at it, you really help people navigate the laws around doing it. Uh, one question that I have out of curiosity, because we have listeners in over 20 different countries, pretty much I think every, all 50 states and several other countries. And the question is, if there's somebody in... California or New York City or Boston or, I don't know, Vegas, does what we're talking about apply to them or does it only apply to people here in Colorado? That's a great question. So it's city to city and it's really important that you call your planning department within your city. And then on top of it, it's super important that you ask for whatever they tell you in writing. And so not an email, but something that they're pulling from the code or that they can point you toward whatever, you know, documentation actually says that. Because I know, you know, I've called 30 different cities up and down the front range and I've heard a whole slew of things. And so I kind of don't believe it until I see it in the official documentation. But that's where you would go. You would just start by Googling the planner for that city, then call, ask for the planner of the day, and then ask them, you know, what is your policy around renting for 30 days or less? And it's important that you put it that way, because sometimes when I'm talking to them, uh, they don't always know what Airbnb or VRBO is. So just be very clear with them. You're talking about a 30 day or less rental. All right. I absolutely love that. So what I've done here in the show notes and also in the bottom of the Facebook Live that's happening right now is I've taken the information that you provided, which I basically just said, if you want to learn how to do this and you want to learn how to do this the right way, what you're supposed to do is find the city planner. You can just Google that if you want, but find the city planner. And then what you want to ask them, and I put this in quotes, is what are your laws around renting for under 30 days? Is that accurate? Yeah, that is accurate. And just to give you a heads up, there's kind of three ways that it goes. So they've implemented a law, like they've embraced it or they've outlawed it, or they have nothing in the code, in which case some cities that's legal and some cities you can go through with it if it's not in the code. 
or there's something written in the code that's 30 days or less. That's at least been true up and down the front range, and I'm assuming that's probably true for a lot of cities throughout the United States, but that's kind of the area that you're going to fall under. Okay. Is it always going to be the city planner or is there someone else that you've talked to from a city that was better for that particular city? No. So ideally, you'll always get the city planner. Some um, cities don't have planners or, you know, just smaller communities don't. Usually people can still speak to it, but I, I really like to talk to the city planner. That's kind of their job to know the code in that way. Okay. Got it. Got it. Cool. And so what I'd like to ask you You've already shared a couple of these, but I'd really like to hear a few more things that kind of are roadblocks when trying to do your first Airbnb for the listener. What might they run into and how do they solve that problem? Well, I mean, just up front, and I think that this, you know, I'm just kind of repeating what we've been talking about, but I just think up front, it's so important that you know what your laws are. So you know, it's, it's the loss hurdle, it's the zoning, it's the setback. So you just need to be really clear about what you're buying into and to make sure that's legal property. Because as an investment, you always want to make sure that whatever you're buying is going to be in place in two or three years. It's also just a good way to be a good citizen is to follow the laws. Um, after that, I think, you know, a lot of times we see headaches happen with our clients with Airbnb if they have partners and they are trying to furnish it. So a lot of times this will be a husband and wife. They might be on a different page as far as, you know, how they want to furnish it. Do they just want to go to Ikea and buy everything? Do they want to try and do Craigslist? Do they want a modern vibe? Do they want a den of sorts? You know, so I think we see sometimes people go sideways on that. So that's something that we kind of try to coach people to think about. And then finally, property management. So in Denver, it's your primary residence. You're probably not going to use a property manager. It's more likely that you're going to install someone in a basement or an attic. But if you are in a city where they fully allow investors to come in and do it, such as Colorado Springs, Colorado Springs does love for that, then you're probably going to have a property manager on it. And in that case, I would really recommend just being really clear with your property manager about what your expectation is, what the reporting will look like, what the transparency is. Those are, you know, I think a property manager, that's a really hard job and it's really hard to find one that's good. So if you do get one, treat them really well and, and just know that their job is hard, but that's a very critical piece and it's a hard piece to fill. I love that about the property manager. And yeah, I, I'm not much of a property manager for my own properties. I've noticed that when I'm managing, like if I had to manage your properties, Aaron, I would follow the letter of the law. I'd be like, it has to be done like this, the boss says. But then when it's my property, I found that I just, I have too soft of a heart. I'm like, oh, you can't pay yet? Okay, well, when can you pay? Let's, let's just yeah. make this work. And uh, so I've, it's like hi, Jekyll and Hyde, right? But um, very, totally. very it's, it's one thing when you're advocating for someone else. It's another when you're advocating for yourself. And I think it should be the opposite. But it should, it's right? It's be harder if you're like representing someone else. I, I agree, but I've noticed that about myself. So if that's me and I'm trying to do an Airbnb and I, I just have this feeling that, if somebody's like, hey, how about if, if I book something out three months from now, could, could you give me half price if I do three days in a row? And I'd be like, okay, sure. No. Um, so, <laughs> so I guess the question is though, if there's a listener that's just like me who's, who just can't say no to people, how do they manage the property appropriately? You know, uh, for that, and I think 
just in general. Um, I think, you know, if you can do the research and find the standards and just find forums and stuff where it's talking about it or go into forums and ask people, how would you handle this situation and stuff? It might help you think about the right way to word it back to the person like, this is why I can't give you 50% or this is kind of the standard that I'm seeing. If you're seeing something else, let me know and then we can have a discussion about it. But that's kind of how I try to do it. I try to pull from source material and explain why I'm pushing it the way that I am. And then if they have a different opinion, I say, totally open to it, but can you send me that information and why you think this is why it should be. And so I think sometimes that makes it, it depersonalizes it. So you're not saying no, the, the information and the, the internet is saying no. And then, then it becomes more of a conversation and they understand why you were giving them the price or whatever, you know, that you are. By the way, that's very valuable to me. I've already got my money's worth for the show. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So Aaron, I have, I have a question or I really just want you to clarify something for me. You were talking about the word you said sideways when speaking about Ikea versus like going all out versus modern. And when we were talking about home furnishings and, you know, maybe if it's a husband and wife and we're not agreeing, I want to ask you, number one, how does something go sideways and how do you fix it? And number two, what do you suggest for what type of furniture needs to go into short-term rental? Sure. That's a great question. I think for a husband and wife or just business partners, you know, if you're going into a short-term rental, it is a business investment. So before you start to put any money away, you should have sort of a business plan as far as clarity on how you're going to furnish it, what the expectation is. That way you're not having the fight after you've purchased the property, have that fight preemptively and then decide if you want to purchase the property. And then as far as furnishing it, it's kind of interesting. I think my husband and I have different ideas about this. And I've, I've heard about this from other people where some people would want to go on Craigslist. I am all about going to Ikea. I feel like time is money and you can just take a checklist in buy everything. It might be a little bit more expensive, but you're not losing time on your own end. And you're also not losing time that the property is just sitting there, you know, while you try and hunt down these bargain deals. And, and definitely other people don't always agree with me on that. I think there's two philosophies of thought on that, but, but that's definitely mine. I like to just knock things out, even if I have to pay a little bit more for it. Okay. Got it. I have seen a couple people posting on our Facebook Live, so I'm going to make sure if I, if I have questions or just comments, so I'll look at that while I ask you this next question. When doing Airbnb, do you ever offer discounts or accept uh, discounts if somebody asks for it to be lower? And if so, how does that work? Yeah, usually when you see a discount come in, it's because someone is going to rent the place for a long time. So I think someone that's going to come in and rent your place for two weeks, three weeks, maybe just a week, you are willing to give them a discount because it's going to be less work for you. You don't have, you don't have to do as much cleaning and or the people that you're paying for a cleaning fee aren't doing it as much. So that's where you start to see the deeper discounts is the longer someone's going to stay. Okay, David Grieger mentioned that he was talking to someone else who has a lot of uh, short-term rentals as well. And one of the big takeaways that he got was that how automated it was for that person. So he was talking about some of the email, at, email reminders, some of the, the cleaning, and any other automated system, including the locks and cleaning before, after, and then the Wi-Fi access code. So if you could share what you've done to automate your business and we'll see if that's valuable to the listener. 
You know, so we, again, you know, we have property managers on the people that are doing our short-term rentals. So we are not automating it as much as some other people, but I know people definitely use apps to help with that. And then when we were doing it, we definitely had just stock language because you know that some of the questions are going to come up all the time. So I always feel like an overflow of information in the beginning will prevent a lot of the email exchanges where you're going back and forth. And then just as important as a property manager, if you don't want to clean getting in a really good cleaning crew and then just being consistent with them about what the expectation is and then maybe checking in with them at the beginning of the week. Like these are all the dates that are coming up, you know, just so that if there is an issue, you know, ahead of time before it happens. I just find over communicating and communicating early in business, you know, prevents a lot of headaches. And I think that's true for Airbnb as well. I love that. Very, very interesting. I think that something that I make mistakes in, even in my own personal relationships, is sometimes over-assuming. So when you're talking about over-communicating, it's the opposite of what I'm used to. And it does seem like that can solve a lot of the problems ahead of time so that there's less questions on the back end. Here's all the info. This is everything you need. And then sometimes maybe even if they ask a question, say, hey, that's in the lease. Or that's in, in the contract. Yeah. Check our first email. It goes into depth on that. If you want, I can send you it again. And it kind of <laughs> solves your problem uh, right. ahead of time. That's really, really smart. I appreciate that. So we're going to break into the final five. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Ecospace Real Estate. Ecospace is a Denver, Colorado-based real estate company with a national reach. They provide a unique offering called Flip Your Home, where they utilize their own internal fix and flip crews to flip their clients' homes prior to listings. Their brokerage clients gain, on average, 23000 of instant equity, which is then taken 100% tax-free. If you'd like to learn more about gaining additional tax-free equity in your home prior to listing, then please visit ecospace.com. And we're back with Aaron. Aaron, what's the most creative deal you've ever done? You know, I think, uh, I'm not sure that it's that creative, but a lot of the stuff that we do is we install people into basement properties so that it's income generating and they end up living there. I'm not going to say that it's going to pay your full mortgage every time, but sometimes it can. And at the very least, it's going to cut down your mortgage a lot. Those are a lot of the deals that we do. And we feel like that is useful to people that do not want to pay their full mortgage. Awesome. You know, there's something interesting that you brought up there. A few of the uber wealthy real estate investors that I know, one of them being Grant Cardone. He's not the only one. But they always say it's not smart to buy your own home. Usually they say you should rent where you live and then you should have rentals. But in my opinion, if you were someone that was going to utilize a strategy like that, where you're house hacking a duplex, a quadplex, or living in the upstairs unit and having somebody pay your entire mortgage, that seems like a no-brainer to me. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think the landscape on that has changed big time. And I think short-term rental is part of that because you have more flexibility. You can rent it out when you want and not rent it out when you don't want to. I also think for someone like Grant, maybe he has had so much success that he's far away from it. But a lot of our clients are new to investing or they're a little bit shy. This is a really good way to enter because you still get a primary residence that you're excited about. You get to see some of the headaches with rentals. You can stop it if you want. You can continue. It's an investment in 
I understand why he would say that, why you kind of want to not make it personal, make it an investment. And so it's better to not have it as your primary. But I just feel like there are people that want to get into investing, but they're not ready to make a huge leap because it's a big financial risk and it's a question and scary and stuff. And so this is a little bit easier way to get into it and then move on to other investments and then make that decision after you're through this first one or you've had the experience which was a little bit, you know, lower risk and then move on to something like that. So, so I get where he's coming from, but I think the world has changed. And I think there's a reason why people are attracted to this kind of thing. Great. What's a book you recommend? I love seven, seven habits. Um, oh, yeah, just me obs- too. yeah, I just think it's such good advice. It's so funny. Like I read it probably six years ago and my husband and I, this is so nerdy, but we were dating and we would read a chapter and then send each other emails about what we thought. And I still read those emails. And it's just interesting that some of those things have come true. And also just where we were at versus where we're at now. And I just love that book. Where were you five years ago? Five years ago. Well, I had just started Airbnb. So in 2014, February of 2014 is when I did my first Airbnb. I had a full-time job working for someone else. So since that time, I've quit and we're self-employed and I lived in a one-bedroom. So I think, you know, some things have changed, but yeah, that's where I was at. Where do you plan ago. to be five years from today? Good question. Um, I like condos, but I don't like HOAs and I just got a dog. So maybe a house with a yard. I would like to add some out of state investments. That's just a challenge that I'm interested in. And then obviously the Denver market is very expensive. So there are some places that you can go where you're at least going to get a little bit better cash flow. Awesome. How do you give back? So for us, actually, we give 2.8% of every single commission back to a local charity of our clients choosing. We feel like Denver has been really, really good to us. So we like to support that community and help it be better for others. So every single transaction we do, 2.8% goes back into a charity. The other way that we try and help is that we do a lot of free education around short-term rentals, first-time home buyers, and first-time sellers. And you know, we just like that. I think it's exciting to see people um, it's exciting to see people succeed. It's also exciting to meet people when they are excited about something and learning about it. So I would say those are the two big ways that we give back. Love it. How do people find you? How do they get a hold of you? Sure. You can find us all over Bigger Pockets. If you put in Airbnb, Denver, same with Google, but we're also James Carlson Real Estate. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. You just need to type in James Carlson Real Estate. And then my name is Aaron Spradlin. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate your time and the value that you added to our audience. I'll let you go for now, but until next time, my friend, think outside the box. Thank you so much for listening to the Creative Real Estate Podcast. And if you got value from this episode of the podcast, please take the time to leave us a rating and review on iTunes. Give us a written rating and review. We'd really, really appreciate it. I'm gonna let you go, but until next time, think outside the box.